0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You don't think that it's time that somebody cared enough
1: to have a dream? Why are you getting so upset? This is not about you.
2: Yes, it is. You are a human affront to all women, and I am a woman.
1: At some point, you got to decide for yourself who you are. Can't let nobody make that decision for you.
2: How
3: do you go about getting an exorcism?
4: I beg your pardon. Hi, this is Mark Kermode. Thanks for downloading this Kermode on Film podcast. This week's edition brings you the second half of my recent guest packed MK3D live show recorded at the BFI South Bank. In last week's podcast, we heard from actor Kate Dickey and critic and broadcaster Eleni Jones. In this week's pod, my guests are Posey Dixon, director of the remarkable documentary Keyboard Fantasies, Jason Fleming and Vanette Robinson talking about their amazing single-shot drama Boiling Point, And Miriam Margulies and Lucy Darwin, who recently filmed a road trip in driving Miss Margulies. It's a packed show, and a quick word of warning, it does include some fruity language. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a front row seat for the second half of MK3D Live from the BFI Southbank. Now, if you're a film lover, you'll probably know that the Biffa nominations uh, just happened. A whole load of films have uh, been nominated. Films like Boiling Point, Belfast, Souvenir Part 2, which I'm desperate to see. Uh, After Love, Sensor, uh, which um, Kate was just talking about. sensor uh, got a bunch of nominations. Uh, the new Claire Barnard's got a nomination. One of the films that is nominated for uh, Best Documentary is Keyboard Fantasies. Here is the trailer.
2: You're not allowed to see The Secret Stash just teasing it. I figured it would be nice to have the originals. So that was the original. The first festival that I did, I thought, oh, probably 40 or, 40 or 50 people will show up, right? So 300 people showed up. I'm like in Stunziesville looking out at this audience. Thank you. And I realized that 90% of them were youth.
0: Let it go, let it go now.
5: They were in their 20s. The 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 Glen Copeland, Sunset Village. This oh. record got me through a very, very difficult part of my life. Oh, and Charlie. I find it quite hard to listen to now. Oh,
2: Charlie. It's funny, the world that he found for himself. He just, like, met a bunch of, like, 20-year-old musician folks and then was, like, back in it instantly. He's, like, completely out of time and place always. (laughs) This is why I like to hang with them, right? You think in ways that it's taken me years to be able to come to. For me, it's like I've gone to school are introducing me to so much. River. My home is over down. I've never needed to be on stage. It's not about being on stage. For me, it's about encouraging youth. That's what I spoke.
4: It's a terrific documentary. As I said, it's been BAFTA nominated. Please welcome to the stage the director, Posey Dixon. Congratulations on the BAFTA nomination.
3: you very much how
4: important is it how important are the biffers
3: oh well uh i've just been away actually with glenn shooting some more music with him so i've been quite out of touch with the world and we heard about it how did you find out someone messaged me while i was asleep um
4: so did you you wake up to the message yeah yeah was
3: that
4: is it fabulously
3: thrilling yeah it's exciting it's exciting we had a weird run because the film came out just as covid hit so we had this whole festival run that we didn't get to go to IRL. Yeah. Um, So it's all been quite disjointed.
4: Okay, so for people that don't know anything about the subject, how did all this happen? How did you come across this? Okay,
3: so Glenn uh, wrote this beautiful record in the 80s called Keyboard Keyboard Fantasies, Fantasies, which in about maybe 2015 started to get a kind of underground following amongst record diggers.
4: Because it had basically come out and had some attention, but it had been totally overlooked.
3: Yeah, it had, I mean, he'd saw, he made 200 cassette tapes, and he sold 30, and the rest stayed in his cupboard. Wow. And then he just moved on, and he's been making music ever since. And then in 2015, a record collector in Japan, who owned a record store in Japan, emailed him and was like, ooh, do you have any more copies of Keyboard Fantasies? Your cassette tape is a collector's item. And Glenn was like, yeah, sure. Finally someone, finally, someone wants the other 150. Yeah, so it went in, sent them off to Japan, sold them out in a week or two, and then someone re-released that record, and then very slowly, like, momentum started to build.
4: And how did you come across the story?
3: I, I, the music came first, and the music leads this whole film. Like, the whole film is completely led by, by his music. So I heard a friend of mine played it, and I mean, you can hear his voice is just so beautiful. It's so unique sounding. And I was in the studio where we kind of pretend to work uh, listening to it. And I was like, what? who is this person, you know? Like, what is this voice? Couldn't tell what era, whether it was a man or a woman, like no idea. So I went digging around trying to find more music by Beverly Glen Copeland. And after a lot of digging, which I love doing, um, found my way to Glenn. Um, he transitioned in like the early 90s so he's going by the name Glenn Copeland and we just struck up a friendship online.
4: One of the things that's most remarkable about the story, which I confess I didn't know anything about at all before I saw your documentary is how much he becomes an inspirational figure for much younger people and he talks all the time about this is what I was actually here for. He said he spent a long period wondering exactly why he was here. He's making music, but people weren't paying attention. And he said, actually, this is why I was here. I was here to tell these people... Actually, this makes me very... He said, I was here to tell these people how loved they are, which is such a, such a lovely moment.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's really... And it was that... So before we spoke on Skype, like, once a month for about a year or two before I could afford to go and meet him. <laughs> um, and... That was the, f- the first time we spoke, he told me that. He was like, I believe I've got this message for your generation. Because he wrote the record when we were all being born in the mid-'80s. And, and he's like, the audience have just... You've just arrived. Like, you're just ready for me. And that's where I've been ignored and just... Not ignored, but, you know, just making music and no-one's yeah. really been paying any attention.
4: And what does he make of the documentary?
3: Um, I think the whole thing... Glenn's like, he's so interesting. All he wants to do is make music. Like, literally. He wants to make music, spend time with his beautiful wife, and everything else is kind of an enjoyable show going on around him that I think he gets energy from. He loves communicating and talking with people. But he's not really that bothered, you know? So there's a
4: documentary about him, but he's not that bothered?
3: Yeah, I mean, he's like... I think he is... There's a, there's a part in it we recreated, there was like no archive at all, because yeah. um, he lives very much in the present. So there was a lot of like pulling archive and putting different scenes together to tell the story of his youth. And we did shoot one scene, which was a recreation of his dad playing piano. Yeah. And that was the one thing that really moved him. Like when he saw that, I think that really took his breath away.
4: And um, what about the, the, the live performances in which, I mean, we hear this stuff about, you know, I don't know whether there's gonna be anybody out there, then you go out there and it's not just that there is an audience but there is an audience who have that kind of devotion it's people don't just like the music they love the music and there are so many of them saying it means so much to me it's kind of it's it's dangerous ground to get into when you have fans who love music that much were you aware of sort of treading on difficult areas
3: i was very um i was very aware of the power of telling someone's story that hasn't been told before. Yeah. So I was hyper aware of that and was in communication with Glenn the whole way through. Um, because it, the first time he went on CBC Radio, a year or two ago, I'd done a Kickstarter to help fund the start of the film. And the DJ on the radio read out my Kickstarter spiel as Glenn's introduction. Yeah. And that made me realize, I was like, oh shit, what I'm writing is actually going to continue having waves, you know? Um, so I was aware of that, but I think I think there'd been so little of Glenn on screen or anywhere yeah. that I feel like I wanted to give people the opportunity I had to sit with him for hours and hours and talk because he's such a wonderful orator and he's such a great elder figure.
4: Yeah, and, so, ha- and has this really mellifluous speaking voice. I mean, not just singing voice, but his speaking voice is really easy on the ear. Uh-huh, yeah. So, yeah. T- so what about the disappointment of... If everything set up and then Covid happened, is, it, is everything now happening?
3: Yeah, I mean we had a really beautiful festival run, it was just done from my living room <laughs> instead of going around. Was that alright? It was fine, I think what I was sad about was not getting to meet the other filmmakers, because yeah. I think when you're in your kind of independent filmmaking world, you have quite a small bubble in a way, and I was really excited to meet the people, the other filmmakers on the circuit, Yeah. and that didn't happen, but you know I was so impressed by all the film festivals pulling digital festivals together with, like, two weeks' notice. They yeah, people so... did
4: unbelievably fast. I mean, it was incredible how quickly everybody got online. Yeah. And incredible how quickly everyone got absolutely sick of Zoom.
3: Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I
4: never want to be on Zoom ever again in my whole life. I know, life. and
3: I kept be like, I could be in Russia and San Francisco. I'm just in my bedroom chatting on the computer. You
4: and know. the Biffa nomination... It it is significant, isn't it? Because the film opens this Friday, yeah, and the fact that the nomination happened this week will presumably raise the profile of the film.
3: I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, it's been like a slow build the whole way through. When we made it, I literally didn't know if anyone was ever was even going to want to watch it. Like he was he was so niche still, and ever since meeting him, like the film and his music, they've been kind of going up and up and up. Um, so it just feels like this momentum's building, which is really exciting.
4: When is the Biffers?
3: I have no idea. <laughs> will you, you
4: know? be going? I, no, I, I, I'm a film critic. I don't know anything. No. Um, will you be going in person?
3: I don't know. I'm really disorganised. <laughs> you can well, you know. have
4: to go. Does not mean you know? I you would could love win. to go.
3: I don't know if I'm invited. Have you won awards before? Mm, little ones well, for what? this film. Okay. Like small film festivals. Okay.
4: But you haven't had the moment of being on stage holding an award God, I, no. I mentioned this because. I've won two Sonnies.
3: Oh right.
4: I was at both of them.
3: And how was that for you? It was
4: fantastic. I've been at every single award ceremony I've ever been nominated. And you lose. Most of the time you lose, but when you win, it's just like people say awards are rubbish. They are until you win them and then they're absolutely and then you're brilliant. Like, yes.
3: We have a really lovely one from a small Portuguese music film festival and they sent in the middle of COVID a courier with an award that is a wooden bird um, that they sent over from Lisbon, oh. which is
4: adorable. Well, I wish you every success uh, at the Biffers. As I said, the film opens Friday in cinemas and online, or...?
3: Yeah, yeah.
4: Brilliant. Do check it out. Uh, It's really well worth seeing. Thank you so much. Congratulations on the different nomination. I realised when I was saying that because that, of course that opens this Friday, and I said of Kate's film Shepherd that it opens this Friday, but it doesn't it opens in two weeks. And it's November the twenty fourth, but it's because I never refer to my notes and I can't remember anything. Um, so also in the Biffa nominations, a couple of films got eleven nominations. Uh, one of them is an extraordinary film called Boiling Point, all of which is shot in one take. And it is a really remarkable, anxiety-inducing drama. Uh, I'm very pleased to say, from Boiling Point, which has 11 Biffa nominations, we have Vinette Robinson and Jason Fleming. (laughs) Can we need another chair, please? Welcome to the show. Congratulations on 11 Biffa nominations.
1: I know, it's mad Is it a big deal? Yeah.
5: Not when you don't get one, the caterer's got one, I didn't <laughs> 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 Okay,
4: explain, because mm. it, it looks like it is a one-take film, is it?
6: Yes, I mean that's the question that everyone of course. asks But it truly, truly, truly is just one take
4: And for people who haven't seen the film, which I have, what, what's it about?
6: Uh, Well, it's set over uh, one night in uh, a very busy night in a restaurant and uh, it sort of follows the central character, played by Stephen Graham, who is a head chef uh, under pressure.
4: Increasing pressure.
6: Increasing pressure. And uh, our uh, director, who also co-wrote the film, Phil, um, he was an actor, but for many years to support his acting, he worked in kitchens... Um, and he 's been very honest about the fact that this film is based on his real life experiences that everything in the film is something he 's either experienced himself or witnessed and it, it explores the sorts of mental health issues and the pressure that exists in that industry
4: okay i'm going we have two clips because although the film is in one shot you two aren 't in the same <laughs> clip together so the first one we 're going to show is a clip which, which you 're in um, which is at the beginning of the evening the health the food health inspectors have just been in and they've had a they've had a health inspection in which they've been downgraded from a five to a three yeah yeah and this is this is the beginning of turning the heat up on what's going to happen for the rest of the film so let's take a look it's
1: a fucking joke isn't it how do you wash your hands love i know the... sorry what in the sink in the sink which all sink all right and
6: which Andy? sink
1: no, hang on, Carly. No, 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 Carly, wait a minute, Look, This she, is... She Carly, became. Carly, this is fucking basic GCSE yeah. fucking... Yeah, and it's school. her first
6: week, so it's my responsibility. It's not
1: a first week in any fucking kitchen, though, is it? You've worked in kitchens before, haven't you? Yes. Yeah? Yes. That's why you're here. You've worked in kitchens before, yeah? Yes. Yes, what? Yes, chef. Yes, yeah. So what's that sink for, kid? Food. For what? Food. What do you not do in that sink? Wash your hands. Wash your what? Hands. Wash your hands, yeah. Fucking gobshite here. You, using the wrong fucking sink. And you, soft ass. what are you playing at? Uh, What do you mean, sir? What do you mean? What do I mean? What the fuck are you doing? Uh, I'm not... I'm not supposed to be on this section, chef. Tony, Tony how long have you worked here, lad? I've been here... You no, know, but it's Hobbs, it's Hobbs Tony. Supposed... Tony, how long have you worked here, son? Yeah. Okay? A year? Yeah. He's saying you've got no fucking gloves on. Cross-contamination uh, uh, with the oysters. Forgot, yeah, chef, put your fucking gloves on. Sorry. Put your gloves on, son. Now, chef. listen, Tony, you book your fucking ideas up, lad, because there's a million kids out there who would die for this fucking opportunity yes, that chef. you've been given. Yes, sir. Yeah? Yes, Show some fucking respect. Respect your fucking self. Pull yes, your chef. fucking socks up. Sorry, sir. Yes. Right, look, every single one of you, that goes for all of you. Right across the board. Sort your own fucking sections out. Yeah? Yes, sir. Yeah? Yes, sir. All right, we're going to get this back up to a fucking five. Yeah? Yes, sir. Yes, OK, all right, where are we? Right, Um, we've called in what we could. But
6: we're still a bit tight on some items. But I think we've still got a good menu. So, we are fine on the oysters, the salmon, the liver. We're a bit low on the soup. We, we couldn't get beef anywhere. So OK, no, I'm sorry about th- that. It's all right, it's all right. The beef's off.
1: No, no, I'll phone them in a bit. I'll get on Schmidts in a bit. It's too late. It's
6: fine. We've got mackerel. We've got duck, brill risotto. Now, we've got just about enough lamb.
1: No,
6: we haven't got
4: enough light. Tell me about the experience of doing this, in because obviously the, you know there'll be there are scenes essentially. I mean, you yeah, know, the with, camera sort of follows. Exactly. So. Ha- How does it feel? I mean, it is literally being filmed in one take, but the best thing about it is I forgot watching the film that that's what the central thing is. I just felt like I was being propelled through this increasingly stressful world. How was it to be in it?
6: Um exhilarating and terrifying um, we didn't get much rehe- a bit more than Stephen said, <laughs> yeah, said, Stephen, it. said <laughs>
4: Stephen sent me a message he said we rehearsed for one day we shot it the next day and I said is that true and you said <laughs> no no <laughs> <laughs> uh, we
6: rehearsed we rehearsed for five days but that's still not very much when you it's com- all the dialogue's completely improvised from a scripted story um, there's the choreography of the kitchen we'd never been in a kitchen Before really, I mean, I did a couple of like trial shifts, but I'd never like you have to look like you know what you're doing, all the choreography of the props and the camera. Um, so it was it felt like a lot to achieve in five days. You do
4: look like you know what you're doing, everyone talks like they like you know, because it's improv, people do talk like they they are versed in the trade. So, could you now? Bluff your way through an actual kitchen? Oh, yeah.
6: Yeah. No. <laughs> that is a bit... I, I think the thing... I didn't really know that well. We all go to restaurants and have a lovely time, but the the mental health issues and the lack of support in those industries that we see, um, I, I never really knew about, and there's no way that I could deal with that pressure.
4: It's a brutal environment. Mm.
6: It really is. Um, and that's why so many people uh, struggle with uh, addiction and substance abuse because they're long hours and they're, they're passionate about what they do. It's not always brilliantly paid, you know, it's really antisocial hours. And the, the way of coping is to have a drink at the end of the night, but where, where does that switch? off? How do you switch off? Like, you know, it, you, it must be like coming off stage or something. It's the hours as well.
5: I mean, most actors have worked in kitchens or in restaurants, um, some more than others, me included. And Stevie in that scene, his abuse to, um, to uh, the staff is very familiar. I mean, it's, it's, that is the environment, you know, it's a very, very brutal place. Um, so yeah, I think it's a really good reflection of, of that world.
4: And how would you describe your character? Because your character is, I think, very sympathetically, but how would you describe your character?
6: Well, she's the sous chef, and her and Andy have uh, a long-running, you know, uh, friendship, and they rely on each other. But he—he is losing it. He's going down, and she's trying to hold the ship together. But he's compromising her to the point, you know. Where yeah. we, we see the ramifications of that in the film.
4: So she's kind of the moral heart of the film, Jason. Your character?
5: <laughs> Not so much Not so much, no Tell um, me who he is and then we'll see a clip Well, um, my character is, has basically lent him money to start the restaurant And then his, his career and his um, restaurant has started to go downhill when he needs the money back So he um, appears to be a friend, but he's a friend who's very desperate And who is uh, prepared to do anything in order to get his money back off this kid Who is under enough pressure as it, as it is
4: and we're going to see a clip. I'm going to say this, and again, I mean this as a compliment. You can feel the slime.
6: <laughs> unctuous. It's, it's when you called it
5: unctuous. Unctuous, they called me. It's been said before. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a look. Hey. How are you? Hello, mate. Namaste, chef. Namaste. Good to see you, mate. I'm nice to Critic, Sarah Southworth, as you know. Hello, Lord. Oh, hi, really nice to meet you. Lovely to yeah. meet you. Can I have, have a quick glass of this, yeah? Just a quickie. Oh. I should really get back just to the kitchen with Snowdon yeah, today, do you know what I mean? Just just let them do their thing. You have a glass of wine, right? Okay. It's gorgeous. It's Thank lovely. you. Thank
2: you very much. There you go. Oh, No, there's your glove. <laughs> Thank you. Cheers cheers
5: cheers. Um, cheers.
1: cheers. cheers.
2: Happy Christmas. Cheers. Happy Christmas. Happy
1: Christmas. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Mm. Oh, that's nice. It mm. that is good. Well, I had no idea you were coming.
2: It was, it was a last minute thing, you know. So we, this one mentioned that he was coming, and I've been I've been wanting to come, you know, pre Christmas treat.
1: Yeah, you know you're in a wear capacity, are you? I know oh. that look. It <laughs> the fear, a... the fear. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Off duty, off duty. Okay. So just Mate. Cook well, if I'd known you I... was coming, do you know what I mean? I'd, I'd have made sure. When did Mate, you when you we're the boot?
5: good guys. the good guys. When did you boot? Uh, the book is coming in what's it uh february the february 20 uh, 24. no 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 not when not when when did you book, <laughs> when, did, when did you, <laughs> you bring to call he's me he's. sorry me. uh we've two days ago but i phoned you and texted you and you didn't get back but sorry yeah. it's cool it's fine but, but listen we're here to support you
0: yes and you know
2: just you don't need my endorsement so don't worry about that
1: it's
5: such a buzz in this place. Yeah. Great. No, it's, you know, it's busy. Huh? It's busy to me. Yeah, very busy. I'm busy. Yeah, super busy with the uh, TV stuff and everything. It's gone mental. But, I mean, busy. yeah, it's been amazing. I mean, the show's rocketing. Yeah, I
2: saw one
5: episode. Yeah. Not the only one that saw one episode. There's seven, seven million people watch it, so, you know, full series. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
5: Must be doing something, right?
2: Yeah, no. This
5: menu is, is, is I, I recognise all of this stuff. I mean, this is, this, is, this is all my dishes. I mean, I love the way it's on a bit of <laughs> paper, but there's the, uh, the duck with the soy. Yeah, that was my dish. I,
4: I love the, yeah, what, seven million people watched it, so I must be doing something right.
5: <laughs> Describe that character for me. He's a celebrity chef, you know, and um, uh, it's difficult to say which one it's based on. Obviously. <laughs>
2: um,
5: but it's fun, you know. I mean, Stevie's a great friend of mine. We, you know, we were just talking to them. We, he's very um, loyal and. Uh, We've probably done six jobs together in the last three years and he's incredible at that. He just phones up and he goes, listen mate, there's this job, if you want it, it's yours, it's done, it's all sorted out. And so it's, it's lovely to sort of um, spar with him, you know, and, and doing something like that, which is live, uh, is the closest I'm gonna get to the theater. So that's great fun, you know, to have that pressure. You know, you're mm-hmm. saying you ask about the pressure of it, but my character comes in 42 minutes into the thing so you're sitting there going <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> and there's a kid who comes on after me who has to has to go outside light a cigarette and if it doesn't light it's a really important plot point it has to light you know what, mm-hmm. what I mean and so I was sort of panicking about my little bit but this guy has to light a cigarette and he has to take a drag and he has to flick it into a dustbin and it you know it's it's exciting it's it's really exciting to do to have put that pressure on yourself especially after doing years and years of filming, it's great to get excited and, again. And that was the second take, is that right? Third. Third, third. third. okay yeah. fine. I was better in the second but they went with the
4: third. <laughs> <laughs> but is that, Okay, but is there any part of you that thinks that oh damn they used the third one, I was great at the first one. Yeah, yeah,
5: <laughs> no no I mean I it's think, about the piece isn't
6: it? Yeah, because well, we, so the, we were supposed to shoot it twice a night, on four consecutive nights, and on the second night we got shut down because it was 2019 and COVID had just hit. But um, we did the third take and we all felt great, but yeah. there was l- some technical issues. Yeah. And then they told us after that, when we were gonna shut down that night. And then we did the fourth take and everyone was just like, hated it. Right. But Phil, the director was like, no, it's the fourth take. And we were all like, no, <laughs> are yeah, you mad? Yeah. But he is because he was watching for the technical things yeah, 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 on, yeah. on the camera, but then when he watched it back, he, he, it's the third take we've used because...
5: And it's interesting because, like, for actors, there's always that thing, you know, where, you, where, the, where technically it has to be right, you know, if it's out of focus or if they miss the shot. It's, so the camera operators and the DOPs and the directors are constantly going again and again for the camera, whereas we do our thing, and then if you forget a line, they're like, come on, we need to hurry up, and you're like, hold on, mate, I dropped the line once, you know, and we've, gone, we've done 15 takes for the camera, but it's, it's, always, a, it's always an interesting... Um, battle between the two departments mm. about about which one they choose. Obviously, it's not up to us.
4: Was it was it a fun experience at the end? I mean, I know it sounds like it was exhausting and doing it twice in a night, but was it a positive experience?
6: Oh, yeah, it was great. Like, to make a film like that, everybody needs to show up on their A-game, and they did. It was, there was such a great, like, atmosphere. Everyone came to work, like, really excited. and
5: um, One of the biffers is for casting, and... You know, the, the, yeah. there's probably, I don't know, maybe there's 42 speaking parts and it, maybe a few more. But it was great because they're all young, they're all amazing, you know, really, really, like, committed. And a, a lot of them, you know, the second or third job, or some of them first job. And it was great to be part of that atmosphere mm. and see the feel the buzz off that. It was really exciting.
6: And all the crew and stuff, is, you know, who are running around in, you know, in costume, because yeah. they're having yeah. to set things when the camera pans yeah, up yeah. and then it's coming
4: back, so. I think it's amazing that just during the course of that, considering it is one take, so you never see a sound man running yeah. out of the way, or you know. And I'm, I'm assuming that's not been digitised yet. It's, no. it's actually that no. it is
5: done. They're dressed just
6: as waiters. <laughs>
5: Fantastic. Yeah. Would well, there be a guy with a big, huge poly putting it onto you like that? Has <laughs> yeah. the camera turned down? He just disappear underneath. It's <laughs> <laughs> really cool. It's really cool to watch.
4: Uh, do go and see it. And Also see it in a cinema if you can, because it's it there. Is, it has a really sort of breathtaking quality to it and it is, and I, again I mean this as a compliment it is exhausting to watch because you do feel the tension being ratcheted up all the way through um, I want to ask you very quickly you have uh, another film coming out, uh, the Mark Gatiss project, Ah, uh, yes. do you want to say something very quickly about that?
6: oh about um a really brilliant co-star yeah
4: you who did you who did you appear with in that in the amazing mr blunden which is coming out very his soon his
6: first his debut acting role ladies and gentlemen.
4: <laughs> <laughs> almost certainly on the cutting room floor <laughs> and almost certainly not in the film but yeah but how wonderful to have done the amazing mr blunden it's such a it's such, oh, a, it's such a beautiful
6: script it's um Mark Gatiss has written and well adapted it and uh, has directed it. It's one of his and your favorite films from childhood. Isn't yeah,
4: it? it's just it's absolutely beautiful. I mean, I can't wait to see it. I think we're going to do a cast and crew Q&A here at the BFI, I believe. I'm looking to you for reassurance but I don't know. You have no idea at all. I, I, think it is, me. I think
5: I think that is happening. Jason, what are you up to? I've just finished doing a show called Alder with Stevie Graham, funnily enough. <laughs> we only work with Stevie. We only work then. with Stevie. So I've just finished that and uh, yeah, everything's great. I'm very happily spending a couple of months with the twins, my 10 year old twin boys, which I said today, I was like, oh, babe, I've got to go and support the film. I can't put them to bed. And this is a lot easier than putting 10 year old <laughs> twins. to <going>. bed. <laughs> Well, listen, congratulations
4: on that whopping number of biffers. And uh, I'm sure the film's going to get a great audience because it is a really exhilarating experience. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. Thank you.
0: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care.
2: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host.
4: Uh, I said it was a packed show. We have literally no breathing space whatsoever. Our final two guests have uh, worked together on a brilliant new film that's currently available online. Uh, And one of them you've met before, one of them is coming to MK3D for the first time. Please welcome to the stage Lucy Darwin and Miriam Margulies. Welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you both. Thank you very um,
7: much.
4: Lucy, you'll remember, of course, because uh, Lucy has made some brilliant documentaries, uh, like he Dreams of Giants, um, about uh, Terry Gilliam's uh, attempts to make uh, Lost in the Mansion. Lucy also produced The Hamster Factor and Matchpoint. And Lucy and I go back, a, well, a very, very long way. When you, when you and I first met, you were working publicity at Columbia? Yeah, that, that was about...
7: Thirty-five years ago.
4: <laughs> Thirty-five years ago. Some years ago. So tell us first, what is uh, driving um, Ms. Margles? What is it?
7: It's kind of a happy accident. Um, Miriam was in. Uh, it's in the middle of lockdown in Europe, where Europe actually was officially closed. And Miriam was in Italy, um, where she'd been hiding from COVID for ten months, nine months. I always forget how many. A long time. And she advertised on Facebook for somebody to drive in a camper van, preferably, from London to Italy and then back to London to bring her back to London. (laughs) Uh, There was a sort of fear that if, um, if Miriam wasn't in a camper van, she wouldn't be able to go to the loo because she thought that all the service stations would be closed in France and Italy but they actually were open so that was a good thing and I volunteered to drive I was already in the south of France and I said well I'll just drive and pick you up and then we'll go back and then she and I decided on a Zoom call the dreaded Zoom calls that we would um, make a video diary It was her idea I had no notion this was going
2: (laughs) to (laughs) happen
4: Let's get a bit of a flavour. We've got a couple of clips from it. This is a clip from uh, early on. In the piece you can find it on the. It's still on the Guardian website because it was. It ran in the Observer with a lovely piece and there the was connection to the film there. Here we're going to show two clips. This is the first clip. I think it's fairly self-explanatory what's going on. I have to say, your pouring of measures of alcohol is really astonishing. <laughs>
7: Made it. Hello Liz. Hiya. Good to see you. I have to do that, don't I? How are you? Do you sweetheart. want a wee wee? No, I'm fine actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh well now you're got That's always moons. the first thing I think. Where are you? I'm here. Oh my god, it's heavenly. I can't understand why you would want to go back. Well, I don't. Here, here's your drink. <laughs> oh, not very strong, Jim, is it? Come on, let's fill you up a bit. I don't think you don't think you don't think it's strong enough. I don't okay. That should do it. Thank you. We finished the um, oh my Mario's gin. Is that okay? <laughs> that's better is it that's, that's going to have me under the table very quickly. <laughs> That's where we want you, darling. You right, know. tell me about the COVID test. I hated it. I must say it's one of the most unpleasant oh, things I've ever was had. Wrong. I kind of gripped this woman because you know, when something's right up your nose, I said it's horrible,
2: horrible. I was
7: I was trying to Have find you not it. had one before? No, she no. hasn't. Is that your very first COVID My test? test. <laughs> I was a virgin until then. <laughs> <laughs>
4: So, you say it was Lucy's idea, but you obviously uh, agreed to it. And what comes out is a fantastic road movie. It's brilliant with the interaction between you all. And it does seem to be, it doesn't seem like it's performance for the camera. It seems like what No, we it see- wasn't a performance for the camera.
7: It was just what we were doing, wasn't it? I mean, it was just real. But I thought how extraordinary that anybody would bother to, to make a film of it. That was what I, I found it. Uh, very strange. Well, I've got a friend in the audience who I spoke to about this idea after we decided we were going to do it. And I said to Alex, where are you? Wave. I said to Alex, do you think I should make this film? And he said, um, he said to me very seriously, I would pay good money to be in a car with Miriam Marguerite. <laughs> <laughs> so Bet that's... you wouldn't, love. <laughs>
4: okay on the subject of being in a car can we see the second clip which uh, two things about this firstly yes it's being in a car with miriam margley secondly i think this lucy also explains why it is that you are the successful producer that you are because (laughs) i don't think anyone would mess with you here we go oh miriam i think you're
7: on do you need passports you're gonna have to do this we hate Brexit, I just want to tell you that. Oh, I do It's the most appalling mistake.
5: Do you have your passenger on the vehicle?
7: Yes. Yes. Okay. And did you book the two tests you have to do an intern? Yes. Yes, okay. we've done that. I'm incredibly tempted to back up and go into the, the van lane. Only now there's a van coming. Look. Mm-hmm. Do you think I'll get told off? Probably. What do you think? Probably. I've got a disabled passenger who needs the bathroom. I've got a disabled passenger who needs the bathroom. Hello, I know we're not a van. Hello there. But we have a disabled passenger who needs the bathroom. Okay. Wow, Lucy. Woo. We're on. You did it. We would never have made it. No, not if we were waiting in the other queue. Now we can relax. Yeah. Amazing, isn't it? Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs>
4: And you did it. And you got through and it was fantastic. Like I said, do see the whole film. It's like 40 minutes long and it's really...
7: It's 27 minutes.
4: It's on on YouTube. It's fantastic. It's just
7: very little and rather sweet. Rather like me, I suppose.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Now, Miriam, let me grab this. This has just come out. This is Miriam's book. (laughs) You were asked why you wrote this, and you gave a very frank answer on the television. What did you say when you were asked why you wrote this book?
7: Well, I wrote it for the money. I mean, (laughs) I was offered a a huge amount of money. Ridiculous. And of course, when you're old, you need it. So that's why I wrote it. Was it fun to write? It became fun. It was a bit scary at the beginning, as, as writing is. But I started to enjoy it towards the end. And actually, I'm quite proud of it. And you can get it half price in Sainsbury's and Tesco. And it's number one on Amazon right now. I know, that's amazing, isn't it?
4: So was this a bonding experience for you, the road trip? Did 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 you become like family?
7: Yes, I think we rather did. I mean, I met Lucy first when you met her, when she was publicity in Columbia. That's right. And she handled the publicity for The Age of Innocence. Yes. And that's when I won the only BAFTA I'd ever won. And, um, and she was there the night I got it. So, well,
4: Miriam, it's so brilliant that you've brought that up. Shall we see a clip of you in Age of Innocence? Why not?
7: <laughs> Very handsome. Very liberal. In my time, a cameo set in pearls was thought to be sufficient. But it's the hand that sets off the ring, isn't it, my dear Mr. Archer? It's the new setting. It shows the stone beautifully. But it looks a little bare to old-fashioned eyes. I hope you don't mean mine, my dear. I like all the novelties. My hands were modeled in Paris by the great Rocher. He should do maze. Show me, child. Her <laughs> hand is so tempered. It's these modern sports that spread the joints, but the skin is white, and when's the wedding to be?
5: Oh. oh, as soon as ever it can, if only you'll back me up, Mrs. Mingott.
7: We must give them time to get to know each other a little better, Mama. Know each other? Everybody in New York has always known everybody. Don't <laughs> wait till the bubble's off the wine. Marry them to fall lead. I may catch pneumonia any winter now, and I want to give the wedding breakfast. Oh, what a kind
2: offer! Even if she had not been grandmother to May, Mrs. Manson Mingott would still have been the first to receive the required betrothal visit. She was not only the matriarch of this world, she was nearly its dowager empress. Much of New York was already related to her, and she knew the remainder by marriage or by reputation.
7: The main thing about that is the voice. And uh, that was through a wonderful dialect coach called Tim Monick, an American. Just brilliant. He, he gave me that voice.
4: But you, I mean, obviously you have a, a long history of, of voice work. Anyway, you have a very, very adept, flexible voice.
7: Thank you very much. <laughs> I don't know what to say.
4: <laughs> Thank you. We'll do and, fine. I
7: mean, that's, that's, uh, that's what I have to offer. And, and, that, and the thing I, I, I asked Mr. Scorsese, why was he using so many English actors in an American piece? And he said, because I'm interested in brutality. That, that's interesting, don't you think?
4: How did, how did you get on with Mr. Scorsese? Oh,
7: I loved him. I thought he was wonderful. He he was enchanting, passionate about film. I'm not passionate about film. I don't understand film. Um, I I do it for the money. But uh, but um, it, it is of course it's interesting. But we had a conversation I, before we got on the road. Because I, I was worried that we wouldn't have anything to talk about Well yeah. um, Anyway I, I said to Miriam on a, on a call that we had That I thought maybe we should We, we could have a discussion about road movies yeah. And She said oh I don't know anything about films I know nothing about films And I said well What about Thelma Louise That's a brilliant film she said <laughs> Love that film And I said uh, what about Paris Texas Which happens to be my favourite film and Miriam said, that is a sensational film. So it was, I think that if you're reminded, there are lots <laughs> of films that you do like. Oh, I like films, I just did not yeah. know anything about, you know, I couldn't talk about a film okay, the, but the I, way I, that you do, for example.
4: Okay, firstly, I think you could. Secondly, I think that you, I think you are, you're very self-deprecating, which is very entertaining and very funny, but the fact is, when you look at your film, when you look at your film CV, the fact is you do know loads and loads about film because, for a start, Martin Scorsese wouldn't cast you in a movie if he didn't know exactly what you were doing.
7: Well, he gave us brilliant direction and he, he was adorable. I really, really liked him.
4: Is that your, the role of which you are most proud?
7: Um, one of them. I think another one that I loved was being in a film that Istvan Sabo, who's a Hungarian director made, called Sunshine. Mm-hmm. And it was about three generations of a Hungarian Jewish family. And I played the first the first mother in, in the three generations. And I loved doing that. Because it was quite serious. And I often get to do, you know, funny things. And I, I'm not really interested in comedy, quite honestly. And I like I like it when when I can be serious and be a a different sort of person and that was one of those times.
4: So do you have good memories of working with Miriam on Age of Innocence because obviously that was an awards-fated film as you said amazingly amazingly you're only bafta which is astonishing when you It is
7: astonishing. It I is astonishing.
4: <laughs> Outrageous I think is the correct word. Do you but do you remember you have good memories we of that? We had a Who lot was?
7: of fun. We did have a lot of fun. Yes, it was it was wonderful. It was it was great being and she knew she knew what she was doing. Um, I, I didn't. I didn't uh, like Jonathan Price. I think he's a wonderful actor, and um, he deserves all the accolades. But he, he's difficult. He's a, and um, he wasn't very nice to to Richard E. Grant, whom, whom I happen to love, absolutely love. They they didn't get on, and that was a bit a bit of a nuisance. But I mean, it was it was wonderful um, being, doing that film. Really
4: was. Winona Ryder. <laughs>
7: You're naughty to bring that up. Look, the reason I don't... The reason... There are two reasons why I don't like Winona Ryder. Um, I suppose I shouldn't say it. Well, anyway, I'm, one of, One of the reasons is because she asked a, a, a semstress, who was one of our dressers, to make her a dress. And... Um, the wardrobe supervisor said now you've got to charge Winona Riley for that because she's doing it on company time and when um, this lady gave her the bill for, for the work she'd done she looked at it and she just screwed it up and threw it on the floor and never paid her and I thought that was really nasty and I didn't like that and then the other thing that I didn't like was that um It wasn't her fault exactly, but the studio put her forward as a supporting artist. And she was above the title. And that stopped me (laughs) from from being nominated for an Oscar, which I would have been. I know it, because I won the BAFTA. And um, she wrote to every single member of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association a most corrupt bunch as you know yes
4: (laughs) they are they are absolutely
7: she wrote personally to everyone and she won the foreign press award and Mm. that started the and then she she won an oscar
4: as I believe, I described the Hollywood Foreign Press Association in 2008, a bunch of unaccountable corrupt bozos, and I stand by that and Well, I'm...
7: I do too. I'll stand by it as well.
4: Excellent. <laughs> I want to show another clip from a very celebrated movie of yours. This is from Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. Oh, yes. And I, this is something you have fond memories of.
2: I do, okay.
4: yes. Let's have a look it. at the clip.
2: <laughs> oh, got the gear. God ye good and fair, gentlewoman. I
7: desire some confidence with you.
4: I feel just like a
1: little boy. <gasps> a boy. A
2: boy. A boy. A boy. A boy. A boy. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no, no. like
1: a boy. A boy.
2: Lady,
6: farewell!
7: If ye should lead her in a fool's paradise, as they say, it were a very gross kind of behavior, as they say. For the lady is young. And therefore, if you should deal double with her, truly it were an ill thing and very weak dealing.
2: Bid her to come to confession this afternoon. And there she shall, at Friar Lawrence's cell, be shrived and married.
4: Leonardo DiCaprio was five years old when he made that film.
7: Wasn't he beautiful, though?
4: I think he still is, fairly. No,
7: not as beautiful as that. (laughs) But he was truly beautiful and a very nice chap.
4: So what was it like making it? Because Baz Luhrmann is like a whirlwind of energy.
7: It was extraordinary because it was his passion and he absolutely was determined to do everything that was possible to make the film a success. And um, the, the big uh, fish tank broke and uh, it's, the, the glass broke and it cost a fortune to replace it and uh, he insisted he said you know if you don't give me that tank again I'm I'll walk he meant it he wanted what he wanted and he got it and he made I think an absolutely superb film it's wonderful I didn't think it was that wonderful at the time I thought it was a bit nutty Um, (laughs) but now I see that it is a great achievement and I'm I'm thrilled that I was just a small part of that
4: And it has aged brilliantly well, because, you know, there's a new uh, Spielberg West Side Story coming out, which obviously is Romeo and Juliet. How
7: absurd.
4: How absurd. Why is it absurd? I'm I'm just, I'm just gonna let you speak.
7: No, I, I just think when something has been done perfectly, don't do it again. Do something new, something different. You don't have to do it again.
4: the only thing I would say so you, you and Lucy worked together on this wonderful road movie will you work do you have future projects that you're going to collaborate on
7: oh I don't know what do you think <laughs> well Miriam wants to go and do the um... oh yeah <laughs> well you tell them well um, the other old lady in that picture Liz. Um, is Liz Hodgkin who was at school with me and at university and there's a group of us, and we are together on Zoom quite often, all of us ex-Cambridge, and we want to go to China on the Trans-Siberian Express. Wow. And that's what we're going to film next.
4: <laughs> so, Lucy, are you producing that?
7: Um, Potentially... <laughs> I've had discussions with them all. We've we've all talked about it. And I think, I think it be would be marvellous. really. I think it would be really good. So. Know, five five or six old ladies. in all in our eighties. You're missing, the, you're missing. the important bit, which is that one of the. First of all, Liz. By the way, is I just want, I want. I just adore her. Um, and they also have a friend who who they were at school with, who's actually living in Beijing. So the idea would be that we would go and. Have a school Meet reunion, her. an yes. old girls' reunion in Beijing.
4: And this would be, this would be a feature film?
7: Well, well I don't know, a documentary. D- yes, a feature doc. Yes. yes. V- v- so a feature we, doc.
4: It's, Miriam, I hate to tell you, it's what Lucy makes.
7: Oh, I see. OK. A feature doc, OK. What do I know?
4: And do we, ha- do we have a title? No, not yet. Not yet. Okay. No. I, I really want this to happen because, it would, you know, if if the driving doc was anything to go by, I think it would be absolutely fascinating. And are you still as excited about the possibility of filming stuff as you always were? Are you? Do you, you still enthused by it?
7: Oh yes, of course. I mean, as long as I'm alive, I hope that I will enjoy what I do, and I do enjoy it. It's it's wonderful. It's amazing to still be working I've just done a film with Tamsin Gregg and Sally Phillips and Rocky Thakra David Walliams and Andy McDowell Um, you know well-known American actress and uh, it was it was thrilling and we did that in Wales it's all about cancer
4: Miriam, c I, I can't help I can't help but say, and you're not doing that for the money. It sounds like you're doing no, it. No,
7: because... that I didn't do for the money. Okay, so it's that only... we did for the joy, for the joy of it.
4: Okay, so you divide the project between things which are for the money and things which are for the joy.
7: I don't uh, no. if, I don't know if I divide them. I mean I know what I'm doing. I right. know if I'm doing it for the money or if I'm doing it for the for the happiness. Yeah. And sometimes it's for both, but not often.
4: Okay. Not often. <laughs> one of the things with the book is that you're very frank uh, in the book about people that you've worked with one of the things that makes you such a delightful guest is that you as i think you've just demonstrated are happy to speak freely about what you think about things do you ever uh talk or write about stuff and then think afterwards maybe i maybe i shouldn't have said that or are you at the point it, it, it do you not you not care
7: I do sometimes think that perhaps I shouldn't have said something because it might it might hurt somebody but mostly they deserve Winona Winona Ryder (laughs) Ryder is a shoplifter (laughs) well she was I mean I know she might have had mental health problems but um, you know she was a shoplifter and I don't like her I, I'm not maybe I
4: shouldn't have said that maybe I
7: shouldn't have. but there I said it again
4: <laughs> look it's it's been such a, I'm so glad that you could come on the show it's lovely to have Lucy but this is now your th- second or third second. second second you must come back again because you know <laughs> well,
1: whenever,
4: hopefully whenever, so when you make this documentary and, and the, this documentary when you're going this huge distance on the train will you both come back and talk about it on the show
7: Thank you very much, and thank you for having us today. It was lovely.
4: It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much, Miriam and Lucy. Well, that pretty much brings things to an end. What a roller coaster of an evening it has been. Uh, I'm just gonna step in because there would be so many people on stage, I'm terrified that I'm gonna forget somebody. So, uh, please uh, join me in thanking Kate Dickey, <laughs> Eleni e. Jones, <laughs> Posey Dixon, Vinette Robinson and Jason Fleming. <laughs> Lucy Darwin and Miriam Markley's. Did I miss anyone? Oh yeah, no, we haven't done fun. We're gonna finish as we always do with a with a piece of music from a film, which kind of, you know, is just always a nice kind of nice way of finishing the program. Actually, before we do, I'll do the I'll do the thank yous first. Thank you to Nick for doing all the clips. And for joining me on the BBC4 Screenshot Programme on... Not BBC4, Four, Radio 4. <laughs> Damn! You can sort it out in post-production. Uh, to Heather and the team for putting the show together. And to the BFI for having us. <laughs> Nick, did I forget anyone? No. Did I forget it Was That was everyone, wasn't it? Yeah, okay, fine. So we're going to finish with this. This is the final scene from Another Round. I don't know whether any of you have seen it. But it's... The wonderful thing about this is this. I love musicals i love dance i love mass Mikkelsen. i'm a big fan of thomas vinterberg i did not expect all these things to be brought together in a free jazz dance fusion number at the end of another round and yet somehow they are here is the majesty of the final scene of another round isn't that just brilliant listen thank you ever so much uh i'm amazed that we managed to get everything into this show and next next month we'll try and do even more no less more okay thank you very much take care see you soon thank you Well, there we are. I hope you enjoyed that second half of the most recent MK3D live show. If you missed the first half, which included Kate Dickey and Eleni Jones, there's still time to listen on last week's podcast. And if you fancy attending one of the live shows, they're every month at the BFI South Bank in London. Tickets are available at the BFI website. If you've enjoyed this podcast, remember to subscribe, tell your friends, and check out our Patreon page for a bunch of video extras. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Keep watching the skies we